Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Uh, really excited for this week's guest. It's Donna Griffith. And I had the unique pleasure of uh, actually working with Donna uh, with one of my clients. And I got to see her magic. And she helps uh, companies with their presentation skills and their pitching skills uh, for both sales and also uh, for investment or uh, pitch events. And she really is able to cut to the chase and put you in the right track really quickly. So really, I'm looking forward to this uh, episode. She has a lot to say and a lot of good advice for you guys to take and, uh, and listen to. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Before we get started with today's episode with Donna, uh, I wanted to take a minute and ask if, if you're in need of help, if you're feeling overwhelmed with this whole sales process and you're wanting to have a really easy, simple sales process that are that is step-by-step guide and easy to follow, uh, then you could apply for a 60-minute strategy call with me. And on this call, what we're going to do is we're going to create a three-step action plan uh, that you could implement in your business today. Now, the reason this is free is because at the end of the call, I'm going to make you an offer to work together and it's up to you to accept or do it yourself and take that, take that three-step action plan and, and do it on your own. So what your next step is, if you want to do this, is to book a 15-minute intro call. Um, and the reason that it's for this call is so that I can understand your business and make sure we're a good fit, as well as to prepare for the strategy call. So to book that call, go to startupsales.io. That is startupsales.io slash intro. So startupsales.io slash intro. Let's get to today's episode with Donna. Donna, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me, Adam. Great to be here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we, we spoke several months ago, and I'm really excited to finally get you on. Yay. Can you explain to people about a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Certainly. So I have been a corporate storyteller for over 16 years now. Uh, I started off working with Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies all across the globe with everyone from their executives to sales and marketing to tech departments. And I helped them create and deliver powerful messages that, that drove to business results. And then 2008 happened. And as some of you all out there might recall, uh, everything was kind of imploding. And I was lucky enough to pivot to working with startups. It just kind of happened very serendipitously. Uh, I was working with, a, of all people, a cardiothoracic surgeon that needed help with his professional speeches. And he had two medical devices. And that was it. That that was like the pivotal moment in my career. And uh, ever since then, I have worked with over a thousand um, startups, VCs, accelerators, and Silicon Valley giants like Facebook and Google uh, in pretty much any industry you could imagine. And then some that probably you can't even imagine. They're so like 
whoa, where did they come up with this idea? That's mind boggling. Um, and I work on everything, you know, from investor decks, I've helped people raise upwards of half a billion dollars over the years. Um, sales decks, partnership decks, website content, TED Talks, uh, keynote speeches, uh, even, you know, the script for the one minute explainer video that you have to say a lot <laughs> and a little. So yeah. that's pretty much what I do. I get to tell extraordinary stories day in and day out. And I, I feel so blessed to have found something that I love doing and I'm pretty darn good at. Well, I, I have to tell everybody that's listening. I, I had the pleasure of, of actually working with you with one of my clients as well. And uh, I got to tell you, I was very impressed in Thank you. the way that you were able to direct us and, and get us into the right <laughs> mode for the presentation skills and, uh, and what to say and how to compile our message was uh, fantastic so thank you thank you <laughs> thanks i'm glad to hear it always happy to hear good feedback from from clients yeah so let's start with um what where should an early stage startup start if they're wanting to pitch to investors mm -hmm. so when to fundraise is always a fundamental question um you don't want to go too early and you don't want to go too late because if you're too early, they're going to say, okay, get an MVP and, and start getting some traction and then talk to us. If it's too late, they're going to be like, oh, so you've got some traction. Let's kind of leave that and see how it goes for a while. So it's that very tricky time. Um, I wouldn't start fundraising when it's an idea phase, unless you're a serial entrepreneur with a track record. And, you know, I've, I've worked with people that literally have raised money off a napkin because they already have a proven track record, then it's like, you know, take my money and do something great. <laughs> um, so I usually will turn people away if I feel that they're too early. I don't want them spending the money and the time working with me if so much is going to change. Yeah. Uh, so really be mindful of it. Do as much as you can before you go seeking investor money. Investor money is not the success of your company. It's a great milestone. It means somebody believed in you, put the money, but then the hard work begins. The more you get done without them, the more power you have. Hold on to your equity as long as you possibly can. <laughs> Tap All out, right, you know, your every, every resource possible, grants, ants. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> anyway. Crack open the piggy bank. Yeah. All right, but let's say it's time for us to get it, mm -hmm. to get an investment, mm -hmm. and I need to put together my pitch and my yep. my presentation for them. How do I start? How do I get everything that's in my head and everything that we've done and everything we want to go for and and present that in a short enough place so I keep their attention? Mm -hmm. So I think that the number one mistake, and I'll, I'll answer the question with just, you know, what I see people doing wrong that people make is such a strong focus on the minutia and the details of your product. I mean, that's important and th they're going to want to know that, but you need to set the stage with a really deep understanding of your market and their needs. And uh, know that, you know, problem solution sounds like, oh, that's so trivial, but there's a reason that that works so well. Yeah. And it's worked that way for thousands and thousands of years. Our brains are, are hardwired for stories. And that problem solution, business and vision uh, framework, that's what I use when I build investor decks, is basically the same as a Shakespearean 
play. I mean, you've got like, there's a problem, then emerges the hero, and then there's the battle that ensues, and then here's what happens after. So that you need to start thinking in terms of the story you're telling. If you go to my website under resources, I have what I call the ultimate cheat sheet for an investor deck. It, it basically guides you through what the flow, it, the flow matters. You need to have data to back up your assumptions. You need to do the research. You need to know your numbers inside out. And once you have the raw data, um, I mean, you can try to write it yourself and you can call in someone like me to, to, to work with you on it. Because a lot of people then struggle with, okay, I know all this stuff, but they're not getting it. Yeah. So, so what is the flow that I should follow? So we start off with uh, the problem that you're solving, but in a much more elevated, not a trivial kind of, this is Bob, Bob is a blah, blah. You know, I, <laughs> we can use the as if scenario in a complex situation, like for example, with DevOps or, or very something very technical, very esoteric, something that people aren't as familiar with, you can use an as if scenario. I would prefer you use an actual client story of their before and after journey, because then you can show how they evolved with you. And that adds to your credibility. And just as a side note, there's three things that investors will constantly be listening for. And that's credibility, likability, and momentum. How well do you know your field? Do you are you, you are you the team to execute this? Are you a mensch? And how far have you come to prove that this actually works? So those are the three things. So we want to start off with the problem um, and maybe the opportunity within that and why other solutions aren't quite cutting it without bashing other solutions. And we can d dive deeper into competition a little bit later. Then you want to talk about your solution, your simple solution statement in a sentence. What is it that you do? I, I, my formula is we do X for Y by Z. So, it, and it, you can swap the XYZ order, but it's basically just something that, that anyone could get your grandmother, uh, uh, eight-year-old, however you want to think, it's, it's simple. And then, of course, as fast as possible, you want to demo it. I would not do a live demo. Live demos have a way of dying. Um, so have, <laughs> yes, I, I saw Steve Ballmer when he was uh, heading up uh, Microsoft on stage with a blue screen coming up. It happens to that. That was like real poetic justice at that moment. But um, so I think now it's that's the modern day version of that is uh, Tesla, Elon Musk and throwing yes. a, a ball at the yes. window. But you know what? Everybody's talking about it. Uh, just yeah. like everybody's talking about the Peloton uh, disaster commercial. But hey, I, I've heard several people saying, you know, I didn't even know what a Peloton was until I, uh, there was all this hullabaloo. Now I bought a Peloton. So yeah. You know, uh, maybe it was strategy all along. Yeah. Um, so you want to have a can demo. It could be mock-ups. It could be screenshots. It could be a screen flow that you've recorded, but something that guides them through your product, through the eyes, again, of the journey of your user. I they think it's really important to say that, like what you just said is guide, not list the features, guide no. them through like it's a story. Exactly. <laughs> guide them through, let them see it, let them understand it. Because what our brain starts to do is imagine ourselves using it. And there's something kind of magical um, and a little bit dangerous and devious when we start imagining ourselves doing uh, things. Our brains 
don't necessarily distinguish between memory and imagined experiences, um, which is kind of cool because it's like they really feel it powerfully enough. But on the other hand, that's how pathological liars get <laughs> born. Um, so, so I mean, have you ever had like this thing? You're like, I know this happened, but it was somebody else's story. Um, so you want to have them imagine themselves into that, or if not them, then a friend, a partner, a, a family member using it, some you know that would be your target audience, and um, and then you want to move on to the business side. That's chapter four. So think of it as like four acts of your play. The problem, <laughs> Gotham is burning. The solution, here's Batman and here's how Batman is going to work. Um, this is the demo of what he did for another city. Um, then we go into the business. Okay, what kind of um, proof and traction does Batman have? Um, you and your solution being Batman. But again, don't call yourself Batman when you're actually pitching. You can, you know, think that. Um <laughs> So you want to talk about your current status and your traction now. Let me let me um, caveat that with if you have major traction, you've closed contracts, you've raised funding, you've, you've uh, um, got big partnerships, you've got tremendous growth, don't wait to give good news. Put that up front before you even start. I call it the brag slide. Yeah. Again, you don't want to say... I once I worked with a, a company uh, before, like they had this very prestigious kind of um, pitch opportunity for some very high uh, level Silicon Valley uh, VCs. <laughs> and so as I was prepping, I said, you know, you want to do the brag slide. So he's like, well, here's my brag slide. And I'm like, sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> so don't call Did it, it work a brag out well for them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they necessarily noticed, but I mean, honestly, um, there's something crazy about Silicon Valley. If you don't know how to brag, he, he, they don't want you. They want people. And it's not empty bragging. You want to have things that, that, that back it up. You want to have the numbers. Don't ever do vanity metrics because that will come back to bite you in the butt. They can yeah. figure this out. They can research it. So it's better to brag on the conservative side, like don't overinflate it, let the numbers speak, let the logo speak. Don't put logos there of people you would like to be partnering with or would like to be your clients because that hurts your credibility again, because they're like, oh, are you working with Microsoft? Oh, no, but they'd be a really good fit. Like, seriously. So yeah. don't put anything that might be construed. I once talked to a VC when I first moved to, to Silicon Valley and he told me, you know, it's not about saying no. It's, it's, I mean, it's not about, we have so many amazing companies. That, that it's not about the saying yes, we could say yes to everyone. It's finding what to say no about. And sometimes it's the smallest little thing. He's like, somebody picks up a phone in the middle of a meeting and glances at it. That's it. We're done. And I'm like, seriously? He's like, we have to nitpick. So you don't want to do anything because once you have that little credibility flaw, that's it. Wow, that's interesting. Is, was that a real world example to picking up the phone? Yeah, that's what he said. Picking up your smartphone, just taking a glance at it. He's like, that's it. Another thing that I've heard from investors, and this really blew my mind, uh, but I heard it from so many that it's a thing. If you're sitting there not scribbling every word in your notebook, they don't like it. 
Because, and then I've had, I've had clients say, well, we remember everything they're saying, or, well, my CTO is sitting here taking notes on the computer. They said, you know what? Doodle on it, throw the page away later. As far as I'm concerned, that's fine. But let us feel that you're taking it in. You're taking it seriously. Um, and that you're coachable. Yeah. They want to see that coachability and that you're really taking And don't argue back. Like it, it, this is not the time to kind of pounce on them like you don't know what you're talking about. They're also looking to see how you respond to difficult questions. That's part of the looking for the no. They cuz they're going to be with you through thick and thin and ups and downs and highs and lows. They want to see that, you know, you respond like a human being and not some kind of crazy person <laughs> when, you know, things are not so great. Yeah, I think it's really important. You're, you're, it's like a marriage. You're, you're going in for the long term. You're a partnership, and you want to be on the same page, and you want to listen to each other. The thing is, uh, oftentimes investments last longer than marriages, so they're in it for a long haul with you. You know, at least five, eight years, and they want to know that that this is someone who is a great person to hang around with. And, and it is, I, I often use dating as like looking for investors is very much like dating and in, and a first date. And this is for all of you that might still be single out there. Um, if you start talking about your entire dating history, um, where you'd like to get married, how many kids you want to have, what schools you want to send them to, there's a very good chance you might not be seeing that person again. D just saying. <laughs> In the same next five minutes, the, even. <laughs> I know, right? Like, okay, gotta go. Um, same thing with investors. You don't want to over-detail it. You want that to interest them, pique the interest, get a second date, a second meeting, get them to want to know more, get them to ask to see your financials. Don't bring out the, the, the big Excel sheets with the five-year vision. At the beginning, it doesn't, it's not realistic. I use the um, uh, I use the uh, fishing analogy. You put too much bait on there, they could just eat the bait and go away. Oh. Uh, and you don't have enough bait, it doesn't attract them. So I you like just that. need just enough bait to get them on the hook. I like that. I like that one. Cool. Yeah. Um, so just to cap off, so we're not leaving them hanging with the four acts. So, so act three is the business. You want to talk about your competition, uh, your competitive analysis. You want to talk about your go to market. You want to talk about your business model, the market sizing, not necessarily in that order. You can look at the cheat sheet. I think I went backwards. Um, and finally act four is the moving forward, your roadmap, um, future directions. If you're focused on a specific market now, Maybe there are other markets this will be applicable to that are even bigger and they can get excited about the future applications and make it clear that you're super focused right now on doing this market, this product, but you've got your eye on a much bigger prize because they like that. They want to see that you're a visionary and that you want to grow this into an even bigger company. I mean, look, a VC has to make at least 10x on their um investment. Otherwise they've got their LPs to, to answer to. So they don't want something that's a cute little, nice revenue drawing company. That's, that's what they'll call a lifestyle company, which is awesome. May we all have great lifestyle companies. Um, but that's not a VC play. So you have yeah. to understand they have to make all these calculations. That's why they're looking for the potential unicorn, decacorn, triceptacorn, whatever they're calling <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. I, I think it, it follows a lot of the patterns with sales as well. You know, you want to tell them the story, make sure they're, you, you're addressing something that they could follow and their, their pain points, and then kind of, you know, get them on the hook and then later show them the demo. It's, oh, not, yeah. the, it's not a thing that's first up. Yep, yep, yep. It's a good point. I mean, and this, by the way, this structure with the, the, the villain, the hero, and the, the plan, everything goes very much for when I write a sales deck. And there's also, by the way, under resources, another, the ultimate cheat sheet for your sales deck. Um, so it's very similar. It's just the focus is going to be different because you're talking to them about their specific pain. Even though you want to be careful because you don't want to, you know, touch the pain points too much. You want to touch it just enough that they feel the pain and they want your your magical balm, put the balm on and, and they, they want to buy it now. Um, so, so that's always a play, but once you get this magical story structure straight, it will serve you for so many different audiences, partnerships as well. Same thing. People yeah. are interested in, in, in easing their it's well, it's, it's either easing their pain or something amazing happening to them. So it's the carrot or the stick. Do we go for protecting them from something bad happening? Or do we go for, look how amazing your life can be? And yeah. the question is, what will work better on that specific audience? Interesting. You said something that I, I disagree with you on. Ooh, about the pain. Yay. Yes. <laughs> and you say you don't want to dive in too deep on the pain. And I, I like to find that find that pain and rub salt in it and mm -hmm. ask them more questions to get them speaking about the pain so that mm. it like really, really hurts them. And they, they know that there's a pain then like, okay, well, here's how we could help. So that's a good, so if you're getting them talking about it, that's amazing. If you're telling them about their pain and they're not on the same wavelength because they've blocked you out because it's just too painful, which we do sometimes it's the fight or the flight, then you're kind of, I feel that you're, you're not getting through to them. So definitely get them to talk about it. Ask them questions, get curious. There's always five questions I like to ask in a sales meeting um, that, that, that really give you the opportunity to then create your messaging around that. And you can send it out in an email ahead of time. And I ask things like, what do you do really well? What would you like to do better? Um, you know, if, if, money wasn't a consideration, what would you want to get done? If you could wave a magic wand, what would change in the terms of communication? Like ask them these questions, get them to talk about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's take a sidestep a little bit. Mm -hmm. You said that you also help people, um, companies prepare for when they have a, a presentation on stage or mm -hmm. something. And I know a lot of, a lot of companies are going to conferences and have an opportunity to go up there. And it's always a concern. Like, what do we do? How do we tell a good story that's up there that's relevant for the people, but not too pushy on sales on us because that's not what they're there for. So what advice do you have for that? I'd go back to the structure that I, I just said. Now, granted, when you're on stage, you can give a much bigger show because you want to be memorable. So you can have, you know, the, the greatest showman, a lot more pizzazz there, a lot more captivating stories, but stories really work, you know, use cases. You, you, 
Get them engaged from the get-go. You really need that first 30 seconds minute is when they're going to decide whether they're listening or they're just going to be on their smartphone for the rest of the time. Um, So tell a story, stick to the structure, talk about the pain of them or the audience that interests them. It depends, of course, who's sitting, who are the stakeholders in the audience. And if it's a mix, think who are the people that you would love to come up to you afterwards and be like, we need to talk and aim it towards them, but still make it engaging for everyone. Uh, It's very important to actually create moments of engagement with people sitting in the audience, even if it's a huge room. You want to look out, find one person, even if it's dark, look for the outline of a head and, and find one person, take a moment, share a thought with them, get them nodding or smiling. Great. Now turn to somebody else and engage with them because presentation equals conversation. The best speakers, if you think back that you've seen at a live event are those that made you feel that they were talking directly with you. I've heard that about Bill Clinton. I've heard that about uh, Obama, that you just felt like the rest of the room fell away and it was just, it, it was directed at me. And you can create that kind of intimacy and then you get charged with that energy because they're engaged and they're listening and they're not just face down in the phone. Uh, and that's, those are the moments you want to create. So engage them, keep the engagement going, talk about their pain, talk about your solution. Remember, it's better to leave them wanting to hear more than to overdo it. Nobody cares about the tech behind it and how it works. Leave that for the CTO or the VPIT or CISO or whoever you'll be selling to in an organization. Um, so you really want to let them understand what it does. But again, tell it through a story, a user story, bring it to life, make it exciting, make them imagine themselves using it. And then they're going to want to. I'd rather you have, if you, let's say you get 15 minutes to be up there, prep for 10, 12. So you're not being cut off. All right. So on engaging the audience, I think that's really a, an important tip are you saying like as you're going, don't like look across the room and scan the room as you're t- speaking? I call that the sprinkler, make... so the sprinkler system, yeah. <laughs> doom, 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 <laughs> like turning your head from side to side. Um, it, it, a lot of speech teachers will say either do that or find a point above their heads on the wall opposite them, like behind them, and just focus on that point. And it doesn't look in any way, shape, or form like you're actually speaking to them. You're speaking over them, and they get that. They feel it. Engage. Eye level. You may be up on a stage, but you can still look them in the eye or in the general area of their eye. Again, if it's a big, dark room and create that engagement. And what do you do for a call to action? So I think that before you get started writing your speech or writing your pitch or wherever you're going, you need to have a very clear action in mind that you want them to take. Now let's distinguish between two types of call to action. You've got your big grand action that you want taken eventually, which is when they're working with you and engaged and, and, and you got a big gold contract signed and great MRR, ARR. That's not going to happen after the first meeting. Let's get real. If it does, congratulations. You're <laughs> phenomenal. You don't need to be listening to us right now. Um, so what's the next step? Is it to set another call with um, 
the two other stakeholders that are going to be owning this? Is it an RFP? Is it sending a proposal? But do something in the room at the moment while the iron is hot to create the next step in engagement. And you can kind of plot it out. Okay, here's grand vision. That's going to happen perhaps two months from now. What are the steps that need to be taken to get there? And then think of that next step and say, okay, so I'd love to put down a time to now talk to um, the the IT manager. Can we set that up? Uh, who can I, and, you know, take initiative, get them to write something down. Yeah. Or I mean, not right. Have some commitment in the game as well. Have them take take action. Take action. Because if they're not taking action, enthusiasm cools off really fast. You want to grab it in the moment. You want to follow up right away. Also, if you say, I'm going to send you a proposal, get it out right away. I have, um, templates ready for follow-ups from different scenarios of calls. I'm sure, I mean, I'm, we're talking to salespeople out there too. Right? So <laughs> you probably have it much more sophisticated than I do. I just do it as now they're calling them templates on Gmail. It was, uh, it was uh, canned messages for a long time. So I have a bunch of those and it saves me a ton of time. Um, and I have it set on boomerang, which I love. I, it's very simple CRM. I don't have a heavy duty, like, but it, it works. And then you yeah. follow up at whatever intervals you're following up and you're getting that action taken. And yeah. until they say, no, thank you, or we've gone another way, or this is not going to work for right now, follow up with us in another quarter. And that's still an action item. Marking them irrelevant on your pipeline is great. You, you can let that energy go and move on to someone else. But it's like the, the investors. Action. They're looking for reasons to say no. So they could find the few clients that they want to work with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You got it. Cool. Donna, I, I think there's a, a lot here for everybody to take in. I really appreciate you coming in. What would be your last and like most important piece of advice for all, any of the founders listening? Ooh, my most important piece of advice. Uh, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your product. It's about them, the people listening to you, and more important, the audience that you're serving, your end users. So, and I think uh, Henry Ford actually said it best, that if you can look at your own point of view and the other person's point of view at the same time, that is the secret to success. So if you can Put yourself in the position of the person sitting there, of your end user and of yourself and kind of create that synthesis of conversation. You will win at sales, at pitching, at speaking, because it's really all about the other side. And they get it when you're empathetic, when you're tuned in with them. That's the moments of trust that are created that, that clinch the sale. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Daniel Pink's book also talks about that in everybody, everybody sells is that empathy is how important empathy is. So important. Uh, Donna, how can people reach out to you and find out more information? So uh, very simple. Uh, my website is Donna Griffith with a T, no H, unlike uh, Melanie, <laughs> DonnaGriffith.com. Um, and uh, you can contact me through there. You can just email me at Donna at DonnaGriffith.com, whatever works for you. And like I said, I have a lot of great re free resources on my site um, that'll with guides and things that I've written that'll help you even before we engage. 
Excellent. And that's with two Fs for everybody listening. Two Fs. <laughs> G-R-I-F-F-I-T.com. Excellent. Donna, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Adam. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.